But moms are pretty special people, right? I mean, it's a wonderful and it can be a really tough day. Some of us have said goodbye to our moms. Some of us are in a, in a place where there's a lot of tension, uh, a broken relationship with our mom. But I think generally speaking, we can all go to this place where we left this video, this place of appreciation and gratitude. I think of my own mom and just the tons of tiny things, the seemingly insignificant things that she did for me, that it wasn't until much later that the light bulb went on and I got it, all that my mom had sacrificed for me. So this week, did you happen to see KD, Kevin Durant? He won the MVP for this season, NBA. Did you see uh, his, when he received the award? He, uh, he talked about his mom. She was in the audience, and he just went on and on about how you know, she had sacrificed. He remembered the times where you know, they, they didn't have enough food to put on the table. She went without. She put food. She put them, you know, you know, she just did all these little things for them, cared for them, loved them, kicked them in the rear end, challenged them, and she was the true MVP. And I think we get that because moms play a significant role in our lives. So here's a few words of wisdom from Irma Bombeck. Just for all of us, advice toward your relationship with your mom. When your mom asks, do you want a piece of advice? It's merely a formality. It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no. You're going to get it anyway. And really, moms deserve that platform. It's not like it ends when you move out of the house, right? I was just talking to my mom the other day, and I was talk, telling her, next weekend I'm doing a super Spartan race. And so my mom automatically has advice for me. What do you think she said? Be careful. Be careful. Wear lots of sunscreen, right? And remember, you're not a kid anymore. And I'm like, Mom, I remember that every day when I walk around. And and here's what I wanted to say, but I didn't. But I'm like, Mom, it's a Spartan race. You're supposed to get injured and, sun- and sunburn, right? All right, so I'll report back after next Saturday. We'll see how our team does. Moms are a great model of um, you know, the kind of lifestyle that God calls us to, and that is to be intentional in our relationships with other people. And today, that's what we're going to talk about as we work through this emphasis on one-on-one, one-on-one in our relationship with God and one-on-one in relationship with other people. And this specific topic is that God desires each of us to be intentional about the time that we commit to relationships, intentional about what we're pouring or giving our lives to, the people that matter most to us. And I think we realize that if we don't you know, make a commitment to that, if we're not intentional about it, we're not, if we don't spend time with people, we're not going to have any impact on them. And so we'll, we'll get into that as we go today. But um, mom's a great model of this. I had to go to Proverbs 31. Check out this text. A great model of this kind of intentional lifestyle. We hear about this woman, Proverbs 31, verses 15 through 20. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. And plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to those in need. All right. (laughs) It makes me tired just reading about it. I think I need a nap. 
mean, look at this kind of intentional lifestyle depicted in this model mother in the scriptures. So um, we get it. Moms sacrifice. They give themselves to others. People are a priority. And that's what it means for us to be intentional about relationships as well. So today we're going to look at two things as we talk about these intentional relationships, the priority that we want to set to share our life and faith with other people. The first, the first thing we'll look at is um, let's look at our willingness to commit time and energy to others. So that's the, really the first question. Are we willing? And then do we have the capacity to begin to commit time, Right? I mean, you can be interested, you can be willing, but then not make the commitment. So what does it mean to be willing? And then secondly, we're going to look at what we're sharing in these relationships. What really are we investing in these relationships that should matter most to us? So we're going to look at a text today. We see Jesus throughout his life. What does he do? He invests in people. That's why Jesus came into our world and so we're going to pick up this, this uh, account, interaction between Jesus and a crowd and a paralytic. It's from Luke chapter 5. You can follow along with me on the screens. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now let's stop right there for a moment. Because when you think about this account, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's surprising, it's you know, shocking, it's all these different things. They're breaking through a roof to get in front of Jesus. Now imagine what it was like for them. Here's Jesus in the house, it's crowded, there's people outside, he's teaching a really important message, he's you know, beginning to, to heal, and all of a sudden debris starts coming down and stuff starts falling from the roof on top of Jesus and all the people around. Had it been a little scary, a little surprising. People would have been, what is going on? You know, who are these inconsiderate people dropping this man, a paralyzed man, into our midst? Don't they know that we're doing something very important here? Now think about this. Paralytics, you know, for somebody who couldn't do anything to care for themselves, they were no benefit to other people, they, um, they were just a burden to society. These men, and there were four, if they carried them by his mat, there was probably a man on each corner, they cared enough about this man to go to this extreme. But he was a paralytic. He had no value. He had nothing to give them. So paralytics in that day, I mean, we know that people with disabilities today in in our culture, how they're received, I mean, we know what that's like in our culture. But imagine what it was like in Jesus' culture, where in Rome, they actually um, you know, had a law where if you had deformed children, 
you were to basically take care of them, to end their life or remove them from society. And in Israel, for anybody who had some kind of deformity or you know, outward illness like that, they were an outcast. The Pharisees and the religious leaders would say, who sinned? Was it this person who's deformed or their parents? There's got to be a reason that they're like this. He was a nothing. He was of no value. And yet he had these friends who brought him to Jesus. It says some men, these you know, four men in the story, and they had to be friends. They had to have made an intentional commitment to this man's life. Because think of it this way, they could have come across or come by this guy and felt bad for him. And they could have picked, up, picked him up, taken him by the mat to say, okay, we'll take you over to Jesus. And they could have brought him up toward the house where the huge crowds were. And they realized there's no way we can get him in. So we're going to set him right there. We've done our good thing. Good luck to your friend. But they didn't do that. They came together and started to create a plan for how they could get their friend to Jesus. They cared. That's a special kind of friendship. They'd made a commitment to give time to this man. I mean, it's just like, um, have you ever moved and you've invited friends over to help you out? I mean, your friends, they don't, they don't just come for the beets, pizza and beer. I mean, you might have a guy or, or somebody who would do that, but they come and they put their backs on the line for you, right? And they work because they care about you, no matter how grungy the work is in the moving process. And it's not like you say, oh, okay, there's this massive piece of furniture and uh, we're like, there's no way we're going to move that, so you're going to give that to the person who's buying the house, right? Right? It's not God's will for us to take this piece of furniture out of the house. It's not his plan. Look how big it is. It's not going to fit through the front door, so it's got to stay. Your best friends, they might think it, but they'll never say it because they care. Well, think about these guys. So, they're, they realize we can't get this friend to Jesus. There's no way to get through the door. And so they pull aside and they start you know, sharing ideas on what they could do to go in. Now, the Navy SEAL friend says, I got it. Here's what we need to do. We need to go around this way. We're going to go through the roof. Now, the attorney friend who's carrying the mat, we'll call him Al, he says, no, that's too dangerous. We can't do that. We might all get sued. We cannot do that plan. And so somehow they work it through and they come up with the plan. And it was, it was risky. It wasn't easy. It wasn't safe. Someone could fall off the roof and get hurt. And that's what their mother would have said, right? But they made the plan. They executed it. And they put this huge amount of energy into their friend to get him close to Jesus. They got it done. They lowered him through the roof. Now listen to what happens after they came crashing in. I mean, let's look at how Jesus responds. I mean, he yelled at them, right? No. He rips them and tells them what a dumb idea this was. No. You're so inconsiderate. No. Let's see what the text says. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, Your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But what I want you to know is that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Well, before we look at Jesus' response, let's look at the contrast. Because there were religious leaders there, Pharisees and teachers of the law. What did they do when all this happened? They didn't do anything. It was obvious they gave no value to this man. They didn't say anything about him. They directed all of their concerns or assault on Jesus. This man was invisible to them. Now, these were the religious leaders. Shouldn't they have been, if they, I mean, they should have been the most spiritual people in the room. Shouldn't they have been the most concerned about this man? But they weren't. They were only concerned with their theological ideas and debates about God and what he was like. And they, they didn't speak it out loud to Jesus, right? He knew their hearts, but they were making judgments about this man and they were making judgments about what Jesus was saying, saying, this does not fit our box of how we understand God. Only God forgives. Jesus, you can't do this. You don't have authority to do it. You don't have authority to forgive and heal this man. And Jesus knew their hearts and their actions or their inaction was obvious to all around because they stood with their arms crossed, holding back their anger and their disbelief that this was happening. I think that's one of the the questions for us. Um, What about our own inaction? And I don't mean that in a judgmental way, but it's our opportunity, each one of us, to act on behalf of others, to notice the people around us who have need. As we talk about one-on-one, this short list or uh, group of people that we're going to begin setting time aside, wanting to invest our life and faith into their life. Um, and I get it. I mean, we, we all, we live in this modern world. We're so busy. We're preoccupied. We're focused on our own world and our own problems. And I'm just, just as preoccupied as you are. But the first step for all of us in being willing is noticing the people that God has put in our life. Just the short list of people. People that he's inviting us, he's encouraging us to reach out to and to begin spending time with, to invest in. Now, for, for me, the, the easiest three people to do that are my kids, Colin, Kyle, and Reagan. Now, um, I can just say, well, I, I'm, at, I'm at home with them, and so good stuff is going to happen, right? That's not very intentional. God calls me to be intentional with each one of my kids 
They're different in personality. They're, what's happening in their lives is different. And so I have to plan. You know, how am I going to spend some time with Kyle today or with Reagan? How am I going to interact? And then how am I going to help bring them closer to Jesus? And it's the same way with the short list of people, you know, that one person or the two people or the three people that God wants you to begin spending time with, sharing your life and faith. And you see, Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. I mean, we don't do it perfectly. We struggle. Jesus did it perfectly. He was intentional in every point of his life. He came into this world for other people. And specifically, he committed his life to 12 disciples and some women, right? And yet there were three, three of the disciples that he spent more time and he invested maybe even his most focused time with, Peter, John, and James. And the other disciples, they noticed this. I mean, they were like, hey, JC, aren't we part of the family plan? What's going on? You're spending more time with them. But he only had so much time, right? Even Jesus. And it's the same thing for us. We only have so much time. And who are the people that we're going to be intentional about investing our lives with? Listen to uh, how Jesus responded. He says this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I mean, those are like the most beautiful, powerful words that any of us could ever hear. I mean, that's the beauty of our faith in Christ. But what did he say? He said, when he saw their faith, he's talking about these friends that brought the paralytic to Jesus. Now, the paralytic, obviously, he had faith. He had a desire to get there. He wanted, he, he, he believed that Jesus could do something for him. But it was his friends who believed in the power and the reality of Jesus, that he truly was the one from God who had authority to forgive and heal. They put all they could to bring their friend to Jesus. And Jesus said, when he saw their faith, he did this for the paralytic man. That's pretty amazing. I mean, think of it. You know, if you've had a friend that's for you, what a difference that makes in your life. A friend who believes in you, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your mat is. Friends who carry you who bring you to a place that you can't get yourself. Now, there's something significant about these friends, and I think Jesus, obviously, he knew this. Why would these guys do this? I mean, we don't know. We don't get all the detail on this story. But it's my suspicion that these four friends, they cared so much about their friend who had this very visible mat, very public mat that he carried, that each one of them, they recognized that they had their own mats. Whatever it was in their life, maybe it wasn't very public, maybe most people had no idea about it, they knew 
that Jesus met them. And he covered them. And they couldn't wait to bring their friend to the same Jesus who had given them life and faith and eternity. Because this guy, I mean, really, if you look at his existence in Israel, he couldn't have thought much about himself. I mean, there he was begging daily for people to meet his needs. And he probably believed everything that he heard people say about him as they walked by. That he was lazy and broken, worthless. And yet he had some friends that changed that. And as they brought him to Jesus, his self-understanding, his self-concept all changed. And Jesus healed him. We need friends like that. We need to be a friend like that. You know, I think back in my own life, um, shortly after my dad died, and this is, you know, I'm mid-20s when my dad died and was, you know, working and trying to figure out life and where I was going. And I had this, uh, this friend. He was part of the church that we went to. And, you know, he was there at the hospital and went to my dad's funeral. And he followed up with me. And he was a business guy about my dad's age. And we just started having breakfast and lunch together. And I don't know how he went about it, but he was intentional about setting time aside to, to be with me on a monthly basis. Sometimes we meet twice a month. And we just share our lives together. And he encouraged me and he believed in me, even though I wasn't sure exactly where I was going in life. It made a difference. He shared his life and faith with me. And you and I have that same privilege and opportunity if we're willing to set the time aside to invest in a few other people. Listen to this text from 1 Peter. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And that is really the gospel. And as we think about being willing and then what are we sharing in relationship with other people? We're sharing the gospel because we, we realize that you know, we don't have it all together. God's met us in our need and we simply can share the goodness of God in relationship with others. That's the gospel. Broken people who help broken people. And Jesus, the only one who came in to take care of all of the separation between human beings and God. And when we love somebody, when we care for them, when we give ourselves and our energy to them, love covers a multitude of sins. That's really the question for us today is, as we reflect on you know, who is it, God? You know, some of us have started spending time with a friend or a couple of people. God, how can I invest my life in this person? Well, the first 
thing is just being willing and making a commitment to spending regular time with that person. And then the second thing is just being available to share your life and faith. The broken things about your life, the good things about your life, and how you're seeing God lead you through it all. So let's pray on that as we continue to worship and think about and really ask God to lead us uh, forward. And 